0: Hey guys, welcome to the Command Edit Podcast. Thank you for pressing play and plugging us into your ears. We really appreciate it. Please do subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you've uh, liked this episode or any of one of our past 49 going on 50 episodes thus far, then we would really appreciate hearing from you. You can leave an iTunes review and uh, we will read them aloud on the air. So uh, whatever your comments are, we really do welcome them. So thank you very much for listening. This episode, we have a special guest joining us uh, from a another uh, post-production podcast that you should also be listening to. Uh, his name is Zach Arnold, and he is the host creator of Fitness in Post. So you may have uh, seen us linked to him before in the past, and you may have also uh, heard of the podcast and have already been starting to listen to it. If you haven't, then I'd Definitely suggest that you go over to iTunes and check it out, subscribe, uh, and add it to your podcast uh, list because it's a really good one. It's a great resource for those of us who are sick of sitting at the desk for endless hours uh, you know, creating bad posture, creating bad fitness habits, uh, creating bad uh, nutrition habits, and overall just uh, not feeling overall very healthy with ourselves while we work. Uh, I firmly believe that uh, the better that you do feel, you, you feel physically, mentally, uh, will greatly affect your quality of work uh, and also not just that, but the quality of life that you experience. Uh, So obviously if you feel better about yourself if you feel physically fit and healthy and happy then your work is going to get better You're going to be able to get along with your coworkers. You're going to be able to be more creative You're going to be able to work uh, longer and smarter And you're also just overall probably going to last a little bit longer in your career and not uh, not burn out So sit back and listen to Zach Arnold on episode 50 of command edit Okay, well welcome to uh, episode 50. This is the interview portion of the episode and this is actually pretty fitting for episode 50 because uh, as a milestone, uh, I get to interview someone that I've been listening to for quite some time and uh, quite honestly has been a little bit of inspiration for the Command Edit podcast as well. Every time we talk about fitness and health and how to stay healthy at your desk, uh, I try to uh, draw some inspiration from uh, this gentleman and his own podcast. So, Uh, We're welcoming Zach Arnold of Fitness and Post into the uh, guest chair. So hello, Zach, and thanks for giving me some of your time today.
1: Yes, thank you for having me on the show, and I'm so excited to be talking to my listener. I've been wondering who he was, and now I know who it is. So uh, it's so exciting to uh, to know that my podcast listener is on the other end of this microphone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I uh, caught wind of Fitness and Post uh, some time ago, at least a year ago, and ever since then, it's been... Uh, one of the few podcasts that's remained on my phone in that time. I'm very specific with what I listen to, especially uh, you know when, I, when I'm listening uh, to the podcast when I'm running or at the gym. And it's been a great resource. And so why not uh, have Zach onto the show to share this resource with our listeners to find out a little bit more about how to stay healthy while we're working the grind, so to speak. Um, so uh, I do want to turn people on to your show so uh, we, I, don't, I know uh, I've only got you for a little bit of time so I want to get into uh, more topics uh, You know about uh, how you got started in work uh, and uh, the origin story of Fitness and Post but why don't you give us like a brief pitch on what is Fitness and Post's mission
1: yeah, exactly. I mean the the mission of Fitness and Post is to take fitness and editing and blend them together. And when I first started this, the idea of fitness and post was an oxymoron and I frankly thought that people are gonna laugh me off the stage so to speak but it's just about finding ways to optimize your body and optimize your brain function so you can be better editors this is not an alternative or a you know something that's competing with P90X or Tony Horton this is basically somebody with a mindset saying all right I'm really into editing and I want to be better and I can get all these plugins and I can get a better NLE and I can go on lynda.com and I can learn from tutorials but you know what's the best bang for my buck and my personal belief is that it's all about optimizing brain function because you can have the fastest hard drives the best GPUs but if you don't have your brain firing on all cylinders none of that matters so in short fitness and post is just about teaching people how to optimize their brain and their body so they can be more creative
0: right on and this is pretty fitting because we just finished a two-part uh, health series i guess where josh and i pretty much just rambled about our own health goals and what we've learned so far about how to hang on to uh, any strand of health we may have in our bodies while we're working but uh, uh while it's uh, you know f- a pretty uh, timely episode that we were having you on for this uh, a question did come up in those episodes that we tried to answer and maybe you can chime in with this uh, it seems like people in our line of work in post-production are, uh, at least it does seem like we're more prone to neglecting our health when it comes to putting in the hours uh, and uh, the passion into our work that is necessary to get the job done. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, to be honest, this is something that I've been trying to figure out myself for years, and I've been trying to crack that code. And when I cracked it for myself, I said, I want to share these things with others. But what what, the thought that really comes to mind is there are there are several factors that contribute to why editors and people in posts specifically are unhealthy. I think the first is that our jobs just The the hours that we put in and it's funny. I listened to the the first part of your show I didn't wasn't able to get to the second part because you just released it as of recording this Uh, But you were talking about how well, I don't know how it's that much different as editors Like we still just kind of work an eight-hour day So why is it that we can't find time for exercise and I think that's a cultural difference between Canada and America because for me a normal day no overtime is 12 hours. So from the time I wake up in the morning to take care of my daughter Which is about 7 a.m. To getting her off to school at 9 a.m. To getting to work at 9 30 or 10 I'm done editing around 10 p.m. Then I get home at 10 or 10 30 and if I value sleep There's really not a lot of time for dedicated exercise So I think that number one it's the ridiculous demands on our schedules where it's just assumed that 12 to 14 hours is a normal day. I think the second factor is the fact that we're confined to one small space that's usually in the dark. And by being in the dark and by being away sunlight, that saps your energy and your motivation and your soul even more than it might other jobs. So it's the the environment that we work in is literally soul sucking. Uh, I think that that's another one. I think the third is that Different than maybe being a data entry manager or somebody of that nature that you can also say is sedentary the way that we are, we spend a lot of time working on other people's clocks. So we'll either have somebody sitting on the couch behind us for 10 to 12 hours clicking on their phones while they're watching you work, or we'll be sitting there on call waiting for a director or producer to give us notes. So it's not like we have this set time where I go into my Microsoft data entry job at 9 a.m. and I work for a set amount of time and I have my OSHA regulated breaks and my lunch time and I go home at 5 p.m., you can schedule a life around that. When you work in a creative industry like ours, you really can't schedule much of a life outside of it. So you say to yourself, oh, I'm gonna wake up and I am gonna exercise every morning. And then you work until 1 a.m. the night before and you're like, oh, well, uh, there's no way that I'm gonna get up in the morning and jog. I'm gonna do it at night. So then you work all day and it's 10 p.m. and you get home and you're like, Uh, there's no way that I'm going to go take a jog tonight. And it's just this vicious cycle where I think time gets in the way, the lack of sunlight gets in the way. And I think another aspect, and this is the aspect that I'm really fighting the most, because there's only so much you can do about the hours. And I can't do anything about the environment, meaning sunlight, small, dark rooms. But what I can do something about is the culture. And I think the cultural expectations of how we live our lives are a big part of the issue where, and this is something I fight every single day with every new job I go to when they say, Hey, do you want to order dinner tonight? Your options are pizza or burgers. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want either of those. Like, it's not because I'm a prude. I love pizza. I've had entire rolls of raw cookie dough for dinner. Like I'm not a health nut, but I want to make good choices that are going to help my brain function so I can be creatively focused and have mental stamina when I need it. And I think there's just such a culture barrier to that because post-production is like the, the pizza and beer crowd. And I think that when you put all those things together – and then the last factor that I would throw in as well – would be wearing sleep deprivation and long hours as a badge of honor, which is another cultural expectation that I'm trying to put a kibosh on as much as possible. The idea of, oh yeah, I worked a 20 hour day yesterday. How many hours did you work this week? 95, well I worked 97. Like, I hate that argument. I'll tell people, oh yeah, well, I got the same amount of work done in 48 hours that you did in 90, so who's the hero? because I'm more efficient and I'm more focused and I take more scheduled breaks because I wanna get home to see my kids at night. So in my estimation from all the people that I've talked to and the research that I've done, those are the main reasons that I think people in post are considered unhealthy and why our culture might be a little bit different than a lot of other corporate cultures that are just don't have the stigma that we do.
0: Yeah. Oh well. Let me uh, let me also point out that it's because uh, I, I know some of our Canadian listeners will definitely uh, chime into this. There's definitely not much of a difference when it, you come up north. Um, and uh, I I personally only have my job and you know whatever I do for fitness. I don't have a family. I don't have a pet. I don't even have a plant to take care of. And so when I consider that there are editors out there like you who have a family and out you know not only the work commitment but also outside of that you have a social life and a family and all this other stuff going on and not only that but you have you personally have this podcast going on i don't know like i barely have time you know for the stuff that i have commitments for and then you guys are able to accomplish so much more i don't know where you get this time from
1: well, the one, the one uh, caveat to that is I do not have a social life. I just want to make that very clear. I have no social <laughs> life whatsoever. So you can, you can subtract that from the equation. But, um, but really, my, whenever people say, well, how do you find the time? It's you make the time when it's important to you and you've defined what's the most important important thing for you, like what is your why? I always talk about defining your why. And once you've defined that, it's easy to start segmenting out your life and saying, well, what's essential and what isn't? What do I want to accomplish during the day? And kind of once you set those parameters, everything else starts to fall into place. And that doesn't mean that I always get everything done that I want to. Like the external world will say, wow, you have a podcast and you release blogs and you're building an online program. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm like six months behind where I want to be right now. So I feel like I'm going slow. But once you just start to extract a lot of the extraneous noise in our environments and in our world, you can actually get a lot more done. And on top of it all, I prioritize sleep. So I never get less than seven hours of sleep a night ever, which I think is part of the reason I'm able to get so much done is I always sleep.
0: Yeah, that's actually a change that uh, I did the same thing in my earlier years. Which you know I, I'm starting to not be able to do as much. But yeah, the badge of honor of oh I've been up for three days straight. How badass am I? And uh, yeah, now realizing man, young Nick was an idiot. And uh, uh, trying to stick to uh, getting a healthy amount of sleep and seeing how it reflects in you know my work. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely have a good point there. And it's it is ridiculous this whole idea of how. A lot of us, you know, kind of smile at the idea of, uh, you know, how badass we are for going without sleep when actually you're not doing yourself any favors by doing it in the short term or long term.
1: No, I mean, long term, the the effects are absolutely detrimental. You're taking years off of your life. You're increasing your risk for Alzheimer's. Like, there are so many reasons not to sleep deprive yourself, but the short term reason, I'm actually gonna be stealing an analogy from Greg McKeown, who is one of my recent guests, the author of the book Essentialism. And if you think to yourself, You know, somebody comes in the office, you know they're a workaholic, and you say, Man, that guy's been up for three days. How awesome is that? Like, that's a conversation that people have in this industry, but nobody ever says, Man, that guy is so drunk. Like, he is just awesome right now. Do you see how inebriated he is? Like, he's doing great work. Like, nobody does that, but your cognitive function is at the same level. As being drunk, if you're sleep deprived, like that's how stupid you are when you don't sleep. But nobody would ever talk that way about somebody that walks into the office being drunk. But culturally, that's how we see people that are sleep deprived is that they're just superhuman when in reality, they're just dumber than everybody else. Yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, this whole culture of uh, how devoted. Or over-devoted uh, editors must be at their job, where they you know come in uber early, stay uber late, uh, get minimal sleep, and even during the time you know that they're at their desk, uh, overlooking things like you know how long have you actually been sitting at that desk? You know, what the last time you ate something? Overlooking uh, health concerns and stuff like that. Um, talking about uh, you know supervisors and people's bosses and the clients who have come to kind of in this culture expect that sort of commitment from editors. Um, what can editors do? Do you have any advice for editors who uh, may work in an environment where even if they're trying to have personal health goals like getting up and walking every once in a while, uh, ordering something healthy off the menu for lunch, uh, you know things like that where uh, those habits are not supported and even at times you know discouraged by their supervisors.
1: Yeah, I think that there are a lot of different criteria as far as how we could look at it. I mean this this is not something that I – am kind of interested in like this is the entire program is how do I solve this problem? What are the tools that I can give people to solve this program? I have an entire online learning course and video library that helps solve this pro- program now. Um, it's called Optimize Yourself. We can talk about that in a little while. Um, but I think the important thing to, to look at first, let, let's make the worst case scenario, which is that you have an editor sitting in a room with a director or a producer all day long. Like that's pretty much the hardest scenario to solve, either that or working in a bullpen those are the toughest ones. So the recommendations that I give there and then the recommendations that I can give for other scenarios are going to get easier. But if we're in this hardest scenario where you're working 10 to 12 hours a day with somebody in the room, the first thing that you have to do is modify your environment to promote more movement and give yourself your own separate space from the director or the producer. So I am adamant that when I set up a new edit suite, I do not have the couch behind me. I set it up so I'm in the back of the room like I'm I'm, think about it like a a ship or a boat. The wheel is actually in the back of the boat. I have my desk in the back and I have a height adjustable desk. So I'm standing and I'm sitting and then the couch goes in front of my desk and then the TV or the monitor goes in front of the couch. So you're basically giving the director or the producer their own like little lounge area where they have their own space, but you have your own space. So then if you're reviewing something, you can be standing up, you can be stretching and you're not going to be putting your ass in their face because they're sitting right behind Behind you, So that's the first recommendation that I give people is you have to have your own little tiny environment to be able to move even if somebody else is in the room. And are you going to be able to go out and take walking breaks every hour and do all these wonderful things that people on their own time can do? No. But at the same time, it's something. Um, The second thing that I would say is you have to drink a lot of water. Because if you drink a lot of water, that gives you an excuse to say, hey, you know, sorry, I, I don't mean to, to interrupt the creative flow. I just drank like 24 ounces of water in the last hour. I really got to pee. Do you mind if I take a five-minute break? i are like, yeah, yeah, no problem. That gives you an opportunity to stand up, to go to the bathroom, to take five minutes away that's acceptable. And if you have some sort of small place in your office where you can walk away real quickly, like for example, for me, there's a stairwell right near the bathroom, I can just go in there and do. A few quick jumping jacks or a few quick burpees or just stretch or whatever it is and i can do that even if somebody's working with me all day long Uh, and the third thing i would recommend for somebody that is sitting all day with somebody else in the room and they don't want to disturb them There's this new contraption that's called the QB. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's basically an under desk elliptical that's made for sitting. It's not like one of these mini ellipticals that you still stand on. It's actually designed and engineered just for people that sit, and it's practically silent. And you can use that to actually be cycling under your desk where nobody's really even going to notice. They're not going to see it, and they're not going to hear it. So if you have no choice, you're in a room trapped with somebody, there are still ways to do it. Um, if you don't have somebody in the room, then there are so many other rabbit holes that you could go down. The first of which, which is one of my favorite things to talk about, and we could probably do an eight part podcast series on this, but I'll, I'll spare you all the details. Um, but I'm a big believer in time blocking and organizing your day so that you have focus blocks of time where you work, which gives you more focus blocks of time where you take breaks and you can take activity breaks, movement breaks. You can go out and take walks, whatever it is that you need to do. So I just Organize My day so that I have four or five breaks that are five to ten minutes a piece where I can take a walk I can stretch I can do a quick video series um, For like let's say that I'm like oh man my lower back hurts I'll do ten stretches in a row that are designed specifically to help alleviate the pain in my lower back I've segmented that time throughout the day because I'm taking focused time blocks So that's one of the biggest things that I tell people is time blocking is huge and will completely help you take back control of your day Um, As far as food is concerned, that one's a little bit tougher because there's a lot of cultural pressure, especially if you work in a group office environment where everybody's ordering and you don't want to be the guy that comes in with a kale salad every day. But I've become the guy that comes in with a kale salad every day because – It makes me feel better and perform better and it gets me home earlier, but I think a couple of recommendations that I would give for people that want to eat better at the office but don't really want to, you know, make a big thing of it. You could either get a service like Freshly. That's one of my favorite services where it's a meal delivery service where you just get five or six meals delivered to you a week that are basically home cooked fresh so they're not like TV dinners or frozen dinners. Um, And those they look really good and they taste really good and they're healthy and usually what happens when I will bring my own freshly meals is instead of feeling like there's a stigma people look at me and they're like oh man I wish that was my lunch like this stuff is crap compared to that so what you can do is rather than worrying about well, gee, what are people going to think of me if I don't toe the line and order what they do? Instead, have the mindset of, well, hey, maybe I can be the one that starts to make the change, and I can lead by example, and I can bring bring in something a little bit healthier, and they can look at it and say, oh, maybe we should make a change. And that's something that I've seen happen at pretty much every job that I've gone to. Like the show that I'm currently on now, both of the editors are saying, I've lost like – 10 pounds since I worked on the show because I've never eaten better because everybody in this office eats well So I just kind of do it because everybody else does and I feel great. This is awesome <laughs> So you, you can be that person and not worry about oh god. What's everybody gonna say like? There, there's there's a certain point where you have to say to yourself Do I care more about what people think of me or do I care more about how I'm treating myself and what I'm bringing to the job? and once you kind of jump over that that confidence line people will start to, to follow
0: yeah, not only that, but you start to gain a following and then you can create a podcast called Fitness and Post and uh, then start to, you know, kind of make a living or, uh, you know, a very successful uh, yeah. Uh, group with this so well yeah it's (laughs)
1: funny you say that though because nowadays people will say oh well, yeah it's easy for you you're the fitness and post guy but it's not like I've been doing this for 20 years like I started this two years ago totally on a whim and I was that guy that was saying man like this is kind of embarrassing like I have a treadmill in front of my desk and people ask me about it and I'm bringing my own food and saying I don't want to order out like I went through that period and that stigma so it's not like I'm standing on my high horse saying everybody else should do this. Like, I've been through all the discomfort myself for years and years until I finally said, you know what, screw it. I don't care anymore. I would rather feel good and perform well at my job mm-hmm. and really thought that I was just going to get laughed at. And then all of a sudden, people are saying, no, like, we need to hear this and spread the word. Like, th- this is not something that I planned. This is something I completely and totally fell into and just kind of came out of nowhere. So, if, if you and I talked two years ago, And you're like, so you have this idea. I'd be like, no, like this was, it came out of nowhere. This was not one of those things where for the last five or 10 years I said, Hey, I have this idea for this fitness and post podcast and blog and program. And ah, it's just not the right time. I just don't want to do it yet. It's just, I ah, am scared. Like there was none of that. It just all of a sudden popped in my head and I just started running like crazy and it's all I've been doing ever since. So
0: awesome. And uh, creating this sort of persona for yourself as well, this is kind of a uh, random question, but has this also uh, lent itself to uh, actually getting yourself more work somehow as well? Because you know, you have created this online presence as well. So not only are you known for you know being the fitness and post guy, but you're also getting a lot more exposure for your own work as well. So there is kind of like a piggyback effect, I'm wondering, is going on here.
1: Uh, Well, there isn't really much of that effect. And I actually have thought about that, but because the, the audiences are so different, like for example, all the people or for my understanding of the people that would be listening to the podcast or reading the blog or following me on social media. They're all other editors, they're assistant editors, they're graphic designers, none of whom are going to be people that I get work from. The people that I get work from are going to be showrunners, producers, directors, and writers. So it's not like they have found me and said, Hey, hey, I heard your podcast, so I'd like you to edit my show. That's not what happens. But what does happen, which has been really interesting, is I will have producers and directors come into the office with me and they'll start asking questions about my office or they'll see a foam roller or they'll see what I'm eating. They'll start asking questions and I'll mention the podcast. They become followers of the podcast. They start doing things that I'm doing with this program. And then before you know it, Lee Daniels, the creator of Empire, is foam rolling in my my office with me and say, "Oh man, I'm going to be working my glutes today." And hey, that Shakeology looks great. Get me one of those, like that. So that's what's been happening. But I'm not really getting more work because of it, just because the audiences are so drastically different. Mm.
0: Speaking of which, you mentioned a foam roller. That's on my to, to get list. Uh, taking a snapshot of your desk space right now, like give us a quick rundown. Like what what the, are the the toys and the you know the different gadgets and the things that you have in there that are must haves that you. Uh, that you take a few minutes uh, to kind of do to either, you know, roll out or, uh, you know, do you have a, a hand grip that you use to strengthen your hand? Or what, do you, what do you got going on?
1: Oh, yeah. This is this could be another entire podcast right here. I mean, I I have a whole module in my online program that does nothing but walk you through all the different things you can do to modify your environment and all the tools that you can get. But kind of the short version is um, I advocate for a height adjustable workstation. I don't think you should just stand and I don't think you should just sit. The key to better health is movement. You have to constantly be moving. So the height adjustable workstation is a must for me. It's a deal breaker. Somebody says you only have a standing desk or only a sitting desk. I say no, that's not going to be the case. And I have an extra height adjustable desk just in case somebody can't provide me what I need. So that's absolute number one deal breaker. The second one is I have something called the topo mat and that is an anti fatigue mat, but it's not one of the regular cushy mats that's flat. It actually has different ridges and different variations in size. So it changes the topography, hence the name topo. Uh, And that's something that I take to every job and have at every standing desk because that allows me to move more throughout the day while I'm standing at a workstation and it's unconscious movement the way that the product is designed is that you don't just stand in one place you kind of fidget and move your feet around and it has like little spots where you can massage your feet and stretch out your toes so that's my second recommendation to everybody is once you have your height adjustable workstation you have to get a topo mat beyond that I have so much crap in my office (laughs) Um, basically what I did at this newest job is they just took everything out of my office and made an entire area that they just call like the post gym where everybody goes in and does like two minute workouts now. Um, but I have, uh, I have a foam roller, I have a couple of kettlebells. I have a piano bench that I use for steps and for different uh, types of stretching exercises. I have, uh, I don't have a desk chair. I have something that's called a pivot, which is kind of like a bar stool, but um, imagine a bar stool that's on a pole that you can move around. It's really hard to explain without having a visual for it, Um, but I can send you a link to it. But my desk chair is actually called a pivot, so I don't have a real chair. Um, I have an apple box. I have hand grippers, I have lacrosse balls, I have uh, resistance bands. What else do I have? Um, I'm, I know that I'm missing – I'm actually looking around. That's why I'm going off axis right now on my mic. Sorry about that. Uh, I guess that's that would be the short version. There's definitely a lot more options. Oh, I have a uh, – in my home office, I have a pull-up bar in my doorway. I don't have the type of doorway at my office right now where I can use it, which drives me nuts. Um, but I have a, a – a, a pull-up bar for my doorway at home so that's the short version
0: cool cool and actually uh, i do recall i do recall uh, i had to look this up i'll include this in the show notes you've actually got an article that uh does pop up from time to time uh how to transform your edit suite into a gym so i'll include that in the show notes because uh, i remember that when i was first discovering fitness and post that that was mm-hmm. uh, a great link for me to check out on yep. how to really sort of uh pimp out my own edit suite for yeah uh, that, that. yeah
1: That's an oldie but goodie. I've definitely made a lot of upgrades and learned a lot more since then. But, yes, that's definitely a good resource to get people started. Cool.
0: Now, a while back, you mentioned the Optimize Yourself program, and you've uh, dropped a couple uh, keywords in there uh, linking back to it. Um, And uh, I know that anybody, any of our listeners who have yet to listen to Fitness and Post, shame on you. You should be. Uh, I've definitely heard of it uh, so far, but uh, can you give us a little uh, pitch of uh, what Optimize Yourself uh, is or what it offers for people?
1: Yeah, so the Optimize Yourself program was this idea that I had about a year ago, because I spent so many years, if I were to go way, way back, like you'd kinda of ask for the, the fitness and post-origin story, and I gave you a little bit of it, but I'm I'm gonna go backwards before I go forwards to kinda of answer the this question. Um, and it was about 10 years ago, I was fairly young in this industry, had been working for three or four years, I was working on my first feature film, and I was working 90 hours a week, seven days a week, and I did that for two months straight, with no breaks, 14 hours a day for two months straight. And I was suicidally depressed, and I said to myself, I just – I cannot live another day like this. I, the, I just – the world cannot be this way. I have to find a way to get out of this, and I either just have to find a different profession or I have to find a way to survive this one because this is all that I had ever wanted to do since I was 11 years old was being an editor. So I spent years and years and years trying to figure out, all right, most people, especially editors, they kind of treat themselves like a Ford Pinto. I want to treat myself like a Ferrari, but I have no idea how to do that. So I spent all this time researching, how do I kind of treat myself like a professional athlete? Cause I had a background in martial arts and yoga and I played baseball and football. So I'd spent years and years as not a professional athlete or even a collegiate athlete, but just like my own like personal athlete. That was my thing. I was always active. And then working in post-production hit me like a ton of bricks and I just stopped moving completely. So I said, how do I combine these two things? And actually apply what I'm learning about being a high performance machine to being an editor and combine the two. And I spent like seven years just making so many stupid mistakes and so many errors and trying to figure out, well, how do I fit P90X into my daily life and trying to do an hour a day, six days a week, which I did actually do, but it was miserable and I never had the time for it. And I just kept looking for this program where, I mean, the the simple version would be, I just wanna go on Google and say, I sit all day long and work really hard how can I stay fit how can I stay active nothing like that existed and I finally decided about a year ago I'm gonna build it like I'm tired of looking for it I've learned enough now myself I'm just gonna build a program so I built an online learning course and a video library that helps people learn how they can sit less how they can focus more and how they can be so active at work that they're not gonna have to worry about, oh man, well, I skipped the gym again, well, screw it. Well, I'm just gonna feel bad for myself and watch Netflix and drink beer. (laughs) So I wanted people to have a roadmap, which basically is here's what I learned the last 10 years of my life, but here it is in like 30 days. So you just watch all these videos, you do some worksheets, and it lays out all the different things that I've learned to help me become so active and energetic and engaged with my work while still being confined to living behind a desk for 12 to 16 hours a day and never going to the gym. So that's that's kind of the, the elongated historical version of the genesis of where this program came from.
0: Sweet. And I'll definitely include a link to the program. So if people are interested in it, can go out, uh, check out the show notes for the link to go check out Optimize Yourself. Uh, it's definitely come up a few times for me and it's uh, really intriguing. So if you're interested in getting the benefits of that, go ahead and check that out. Um, could you uh, i don't want to, i i i have a feeling that if you if if i let you you'll definitely go into great detail you'll offer a lot of detail on this next question so i want to ask if if it was possible to just create like a snapshot a really quick answer to this a quick rundown if you will uh like daily life for you from like when you wake up to when you go to bed uh you know taking workout do you you know what is your routine like
1: Yes, and clearly you've listened to my show because you know that I'm not good at brevity, which is funny (laughs) because I'm an editor, but I'm horrible at editing myself, especially when I speak extemporaneously. Uh, But this is a really good question. Um, so yeah, I'll basically I'll just call work like a chunk. I'll give you hours, but uh, what well, I, I mean I can kind of do that But at the same time there are breaks throughout the day where I'm doing other things as well, but uh, my routine varies I basically have two different versions of routines Routine a is am I in training mode for a Spartan race routine B is I'm not in training mode for a Spartan race So and this is something that I know that you and I could talk about forever Because I know that you're an OCR maniac even more than I am and would probably kick my butt on the obstacle course Um But anyway, um, if I'm in routine A, if I'm training for a race, I'm usually getting up at 5.45 a.m. or 6 in the morning and I'm doing – Uh, The first thing that I do when I wake up is I drink 16 ounces of cold water and I use a green supplement called athletic greens that I mix in with the water. So I basically eliminated my need to get all the essential greens and nutrients in the entire day in five minutes. So that I've already taken care of, checked off my bucket list for the day. Then I will do – 15 minutes or so of meditation. That's pretty much a staple for me. And then I'll do five to 10 minutes of trigger point therapy, foam rolling, stretching, depending on whatever type of exercise I'm doing that day. And then I'll try and fit in about 30 minutes or so of some form of high intensity exercise. Usually P90X3 is my go-to because it's a shorter version. So I like P90X3. And then from there, usually by the time I get there, or even before I finish, my daughter is awake. And then I'm in dad mode for probably 90 minutes where I'm making breakfast, making coffee, watching My Little Pony, watching Strawberry Shortcake, (laughs) um, getting ready for work, getting her dressed for school, taking her to school. And then at that point... Um, In my current job, I'm actually very, very close. I'm almost within walking distance. But if I were at another show, like for example, the last two years that I was on Empire, my drive was at least an hour, if not two hours. So that was my learning time. That was where I went into learning mode and I would ingest podcasts, I would ingest other online learning courses, I would ingest audio books, and that's really where I was kind of in educational mode. And then I would show up at work And work is usually on a good day 10 to 8 so 10 hours on a bad day it's 10 to 10 or 10 to 11 so 12 or 13 hours and then somewhere within there I'll fit small blocks of time to keep up with fitness and post social media to keep up with the podcast and then when I get home usually for another hour or two or whatever makes the most sense. I'm either writing a blog script. I'm writing the scripts for the online course, whatever the work is that needs to be done for the program. I'm fitting it into these very small focus blocks of time. And then if I'm not in, if I am in training mode, if that's the schedule we're talking about, I usually would get to bed by 10:45 or 11, because seven hours is my magic number. So I have a 15-minute ritual before bed where if I'm training, I'll do a five-minute cold shower. And I, that's something that you actually talked about was the whole cold shower thing. And then I'll do 15 minutes of a visualization meditation. And then by the time my head hits the pillow, I am just passed out. Um, and I actually have – I have a, a full blog article that walks through in very, very – Um, descriptive detail both my morning and my evening routine so I can send a link to that if you want Um, so that would be my day if I have a long work day and if I'm not in training um, like you know, training routine mode, then the only thing I really do is extract the high intensity exercise out of the routine. So usually I'll be up around six thirty or seven o'clock and I'll still drink the water, have the athletic greens, do the 15 minutes of meditation, do five, 10 or 15 minutes of trigger point therapy, yoga or foam rolling. And then at that point, that's probably when I'll get up with my daughter. And then it's essentially the same routine after that.
0: Wow. I think that was I think that was explained all in one solid breath there.
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's 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 just the speed that I operate at. I have two speeds. I have eleven and I have zero. <laughs> a- ask my assistant editor; she'll tell you. Like, yep, he's this annoying all day. <laughs> and you listed all that off like it's systematic. Like you've gone
0: over it many times before. It's a you know it's a routine you stuck with for a while, uh, so it really shows that it's something that you've done repeatedly over and over again, so it must work really well for you.
1: Absolutely, and that that's the whole key to what started making all this click and making it work was when i discovered that part of the reason that so many people struggle with trying to find better health is they don't learn how to create habits and that's actually another entire module of my course is understanding how the brain works understanding how habit formation works because up to 95% of our behavior throughout the day is habitual and if you can learn to take advantage of that and program certain behaviors so you don't have to put the effort in then you have more room and more energy to be creative so I'm always thinking my my daily energy kind of like a video game. Like you have that, you know, the energy bar where you're like 100 percent, 50 percent, wherever you are. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, if I'm going to. A- sleep late that's actually going to drain my energy more because as soon as i wake up i'm going to be in reaction mode and my daughter's going to be shaking me awake and somebody's going to be texting me cuz they need something then i'm going to be rushing to work like that's an energy drain but if i set up the habits to have an automatic morning where i can basically turn off my my creative mind and just be on habit mode then that's going to conserve energy for me so i'm really not making any real Decisions or being creative until I walk into my office in the morning So I'm able to fire a lot faster and make a lot more creative decisions because we have a finite amount of creative energy and willpower And as editors, what do we do all day long? We make micro decisions one after another after another after another thousands of decisions every day And those are like taking little tiny energy points off of your overall energy so if you have to for example Let's say you take five minutes every morning, you stare at your closet and you decide, what am I going to wear? And then you have no idea what you're going to eat for breakfast. And then you're thinking, well, should I meditate? Should I not? Like, let me go online and see the benefits of meditation. Like all that takes energy. But if you just wake up and you have a habit and you have a system, you don't have to worry about all that. That's a way to conserve energy, which is part of the reason I'm able to get so much work done during the day, because it's not that I have more energy than everybody else. It's that I learned how to conserve it better than a lot of people.
0: Nice, and uh, it is really good to actually talk with another a fellow OCR-er, ocr or OCR runner, I guess. <laughs> ocr Yeah, OCR, uh, and uh, I actually wanted to ask you know, a little briefly about that. It's more for my own curiosity, but I know that, uh, I hope that some of our listeners, because uh, I do talk about this from time to time, and some people have asked me questions about it, so hopefully there are some people that are interested as well. Uh, ocr stands for uh, obstacle course riding, uh, obstacle course races by the way so that's your your tough mutters your spartan races whole bunch of others uh for the uninitiated uh so you mostly run spartan races right
1: yes i've run i don't know i think six or seven i, I don't, honestly don't remember but i've done six or seven spartan races i've done two tough mutters and i've done a rugged maniac
0: nice very cool are you training for anything uh, any of the races coming up this year
1: Um, I'm not at the moment and the reason being this is a conscious decision that I made and I said to myself That if I'm gonna build an online program that's teaching people how to be active and stay in shape and energetic without needing extra time for exercise I mean that's part of my tagline. I said to myself I can't be doing different things than they are like I'm a big believer in leading by example so if my program works. It has to work for me first, then I'm going to teach other people what works for me. So I kind of said for a while, I'm just going to cut off the high intensity exercise and see how does that affect my mood? How does that affect my energy? And am I still able to function at the same level without the P90X3, without the Spartan races? So I wanted to see how much of that contributed to my success. And so far, I mean, there's a difference. Like I do miss doing high intensity exercise, but I'm still able to function at a very high level without it. So that's the reason that. I'm not training at the moment is I'm really I'm I'm, the the term that I use as an editor is I always say I'm a method editor and in this case I'm kind of a a method podcaster I guess I don't I honestly don't know what the term would be but I'm just immersing myself in the world of somebody that would be using my program saying you're not allowed to find time for exercise does this stuff work so that's why I'm not training at the moment but I am kind of itching and I'm like oh man I really got to look and see what they've got because I want to sign up and do another one
0: Ah, well, I commend you for your dedication to the program uh, because that sounds like a really valid reason to do that. However, I'm a little disappointed that I'm not going to be finding you, uh, you know, I'm not going to be racing with you on the hill anytime soon.
1: Well, at the same time, I know that uh, they always do one either in Malibu or near Los Angeles in December, and I think I've done that three years in a row, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to miss that one. So I'll I'll probably do that one. Like usually the sprints at this point, the ones that are like three, four or five miles, I don't need to do a whole lot of preparation for. Um, If I had to do a beast or I had to do a super, like either the 10 mile one or the 13 mile one, like that takes real preparation. But the sprint, I could like, I would probably suck if I went out and did one tomorrow, but I could do it. Um, So if that's the case I might end up doing a a sprint, but uh, the last time I did a beast it kicked my butt and It it requires a lot of dedication and effort to train for one of those But I I don't know if I can go a whole year without doing a Spartan race So I'll uh, I'll I'll probably end up doing at least one this year
0: Right on. All right. Well, there's hope yet. Cool Um, Because yeah, I know there's a a ton planned uh, For me and my team this year. So uh, we're doing a little bit of traveling. We're willing to travel for them as well so I have to take a look at that one in December, and uh, technically that would be off-season because that's going to be after uh, World Championships uh, in
1: October. Yes. But, yes, uh, that one is after World Championships. The one that I did not last year but two years ago in Malibu, I actually did the Hurricane Heat, which is the kind of an off-course version of it that lasts like four or five hours where it's not even really an obstacle course race. It's more like basic training where they just have people that torture you for four hours. <laughs> and it started at 5 a.m. and it was 33 degrees and snowing and they had us going through ice-cold water for like three hours. Um, so that that's what happens when you do it in Malibu and D.C. December is they're they're pretty brutal
0: and we pay good money to do this right stuff.
1: i paid like 200 bucks to do that <laughs> and that's 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 one of the jokes you hear people and they're like sitting their teeth chatter like we paid money for this we are crazy <laughs> yes
0: yeah, it's, it's it's the most brilliant uh business setup ever, ever. Like, yeah you're gonna pay me 200 we're gonna sh- you know shout at you make you run up and down this hill splash cold water in your face and we'll give you a medal right yeah
1: Genius, well, th- there's there's a lot of brilliance behind it though, and I don't. You probably know this because you listen to the show, but I did a podcast with Joe Desena, who's the the uh, the creator of the Spartan Race series, um, and there, the, there's a method behind the madness. It's not just a bunch of meatheads running around and jumping in mud pits and climbing ropes and you know just sitting there beating each other up. The, the idea behind it is that you're developing mental grit and mental toughness. And this is something that I didn't really understand at first. But once I started practicing and training and doing these races, what happens is you spend those four or five hours in the freezing cold and, you know, crawling under barbed wire and having people shoot fire hoses in your face. But then you show up at work on Monday and somebody says, oh, my God, this is going to be a crazy day. We have to do two visual effects turnovers and we have notes. And you're like, yeah, I think I can handle that. Like that's not going to be that hard because yesterday I had a fire hose shot in my face for 30 (laughs) minutes. Like, so, so there is a method to it where it makes me much better at what I do and it removes so much stress from my life because my perspective changes. It's all about changing your perspective and you do an obstacle course race and you realize that your day job isn't that hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I know that we could talk uh, probably to no end about these, and uh, I think you're kind of mirroring my own thoughts about why I'm doing these my, myself. But uh, uh, yeah, that that has that that benefit of uh, yeah, come Monday, uh, the regular grind of uh, day-to-day jobs, that, you know, sitting at a desk and you know going over revisions for your edit, suddenly don't look as daunting.
1: Yeah, it makes everything in life seem easier. And not only that, I mean, yes, you can say, oh, well, oh, my God, having to do 10 notes from a director is much easier than getting shot with a fire hose. But what actually happens if you're talking about it from a more scientific level and from a neurological level, you're actually creating new connections in your brain that are making you more resilient to stress. So the next time you have a stressful situation, you're going to be less reactive and your cortisol is going to go up less because you've trained yourself to be able to be less reactive in a much more stressful situation so it's not just some crazy idea i'm going to be a meathead run around and it's going to make monday look easier you are actually changing your brain by doing these things
0: yeah and and when you get into the science of it that's it's where you start to simultaneously lose beep, but because i i'm not as familiar with all the the terms and what's going on biologically with the body but it is very fascinating as well so i keep I keep listening, I keep learning, but uh, it's, you know, it's when they get into the uh, complex words that uh, I, I tend to get a little bit lost, but I want to know. More. So,
1: <laughs> so you're saying we shouldn't talk about neuroplasticity. <laughs> I won't go down I that should, road.
0: I should, I should learn to spell that word first. Got it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well then I will, I'll cross off the conversation about brain derived neurotrophic factor. Cause I was going to go there next, but I won't.
0: Now nah, you're just showing off. Uh, I, uh, I have one more question I wanted to ask you, and it is—it's uh, more of a sidebar question. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I came across this in your biography some time ago, and I thought, you know what, if I ever do have the opportunity to chat with them, I would love to know about this in particular. Uh, so I hope you don't mind a little random question, actually. No problem. Uh, I know that on your credits, uh, one of the products that you've edited before. Is a Chinese feature film called My Lucky Star. Yes. Uh, which is a film completely spoken in Mandarin. And how it, you know, do you speak Mandarin?
1: Um, not really. I, (laughs) I spoke it better when I was working on the film. I've lost like 95% of it. Um, but I was immersed in the language for five months and I was every second, I wasn't editing it. I was learning it. I was taking language lessons. And then I went to China for like 10 days. So I wasn't fluent. I could carry a very, very basic conversation, but it's been think three years now two or three years so i've lost most of it but i i I remember a couple of small things
0: so did you have to pick up some of the language before you even started working on it or did you just kind of go into it and say you know what i'm going to try and edit this just from how i feel like you know not understanding but uh what they're actually saying but the language of the scene or some you know uh, something about this like how did you even you know approach this
1: Yes. Well, it was actually neither of those. I didn't have any level of prep whatsoever because I had – this project was totally thrown on top of me with no notice whatsoever. I had a director – that I had worked with on Burn Notice for several episodes, and she and I were friends. And she called me one day and she's like, listen, I've been in China for the last six months shooting this big budget Chinese feature film, and I saw the editor's cut, and it is a disaster. Like it's just just they don't understand my style, blah, 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 blah. Do you have like a week to just look at it and see if you can like give it a quick polish or give us some notes or some advice? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I'll I'll sit down with you and watch it and you know, maybe do a quick polish pass and edit some music or whatever. So she, she and the Chinese producer, they handed me a hard drive, and we screened the film. And when we were done, they looked at me. And they're like, "What do you think?" I was like, "This is well, number one, I didn't understand a word of it." But aside from it was, a, it was an action movie, is like an action caper comedy. Imagine Ocean's Eleven meets The Pink Panther in Chinese. Um, so, it, granted, I didn't understand the dialogue so much, but. It, it was a very visual film. So I didn't really need to know the language that much. And I basically told them you need to frame one recut. Like this thing is an absolute train wreck and you cannot release this. And they said, well, do you want to do it? I said, well, what do you mean? Like, I don't speak the language. You're like, we don't care. We just, we want, <laughs> we want somebody to fix this. And like, okay, but I can't use this cut. It's not like I'm doing a polish. Like I need to start from dailies. And are like, we don't care whatever it takes. So, I went from not even knowing this film existed to two days later having a five-month job on a feature film with 98 percent of the dialogue spoken in Mandarin Chinese. And the first few days that I was going through dailies, I was terrified because I had, had agreed to this because I wanted to help her and because it was a good-paying feature job and I wasn't working at the time. And I'm just thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was watching dailies thinking, I don't, there's just no way I can do this. But I started to think to myself, all right, let's just see if I can find patterns. I don't know what they're saying, but maybe I can find patterns, almost like listening to music. And once I started watching dailies over and over and over, I started to pick up the language patterns. I had no idea what they were saying, but I had a, I had a script that was in English. It was like a loose translation, but I didn't have subtitles. So I would just start cutting and I would be like, all right, well, where is the buyao all right, he says "booyah" in this take, and I have to—I would hit scan and listen to this. Oh, he just said "booyah," so I'm going to use it in this take, and then I would just start to shape it the way that I would shape any other scene, based on the emotion of their performance, based on should I have a close-up, should I have a wide shot. And after about a week, I started realizing that the editing pace and the style really was completely independent of the words they were saying. It was how they were saying the words. So I just started cutting the way that I cut anything else, and then when I was done with a scene, I would hand it to the producer, who was Chinese, but he he spoke completely fluent English and lives in America, and he would give me any kind of basic notes. He's like, well, the performance in this take isn't so good, they flubbed a couple of lines, so you need to find a different take of this, and oh, you missed a word here. But for the most part, I didn't get many language notes once I got the hang of it, but I spent five months cutting from raw dailies with no subtitles with everything in Mandarin
0: holy sweet god that sounds like an incredible task to take on
1: <laughs> it was it was, ter- it was terrifying at first but then it actually started to be really fun because it's such a fascinating language and such a fascinating culture and especially as i started to do the language lessons i would do those during my off hours if i was in the car and i would start speaking the language like it was very basic stuff it was like hello my name is blah and you like you do this but then i would start to listen to the dailies i'm like oh i know that word and i know that word like so it's it became a really fun experience kind of like a lot of people that are immigrants say oh well i learned english by watching american movies it was almost the reverse like i was watching chinese by watching a chinese movie but i had the benefit of watching the same scenes over and over and over and over so i could really start to mimic the dialogue and learn the words based on what other people were saying
0: sounds like a hell of a learning experience it sounds like kind of like the uh know uh, if the, the scenes where the, you know the martial artists have to go on top of the you know the mountain and uh train with you know the ultimate master who then blindfolds them and says like okay now you know you're gonna have to try you, you know you need to now do what you normally do but relying on completely different senses or completely mm-hmm. different techniques
1: yeah that that's a great analogy it's, it's almost like the you know the the martial artist that has to like wear the blindfold. It's like Jean Claude Van Damme at Bloodsport with the blindfold, or Luke Skywalker trying to use the Force and you know trying to you know block the the thing shooting at him. And all your listeners are going to be like, why don't you know the name of that thing? Like I'm not a Star <laughs> Wars fanatic, so I don't know what it's called. But when he's in you know when he's working with Obi Wan Kenobi and he puts the thing on his face and he can't see and he's you know blocking the thing, like it was almost like that. It's like all right, well I'm an editor and I'm cutting a narrative show and it's action based, but there's a bunch of dialogue and I have no idea what they're saying like i gotta figure out how to do this and just jump in and it ended up working and it ended up you know it was a very successful film in china i don't even know if it was released in america but um, it was a very successful film in china
0: fantastic well listen zach uh you've given me a lot of uh, your time uh, tonight and i really do appreciate it and i feel like honestly we could talk about you know for a good couple of hours more uh if we uh, if i you know if i let this go on much longer so i do have to have you come come back because i think i do want to talk to you more in the future about uh hey specifically editing um if we want to uh, secure command edits podcast you know uh uh, place in the post-production category but um I want to thank you because, uh, first of all, Fitness and Post, great resource uh, for anybody, uh, any of our listeners who haven't already subscribed to it. Please go and check it out. It's fantastic. And uh, Zach has also penned uh, some fantastic blog articles out there. Uh, continues to be a great resource for people who are trying to stay fit, not just for post-production people, but people who just work at a desk day in, day out uh, and are trying to find uh, some life hacks on how to improve their overall health, overall fitness. Um, It's great. And uh, where can people go to check out the Optimize Yourself program?
1: Yes. Well, I'm actually glad that you asked because what I would like to do for your listeners specifically, I would like to be able to give them a discount if they want to join because I'm still – Finishing up the program, I'm still in the beta phase and I need one final round of beta members to kind of kick the tires, find all the mistakes, tell me what's not working before I decide to go public. So what I want to do, I actually want to send people to a special page. They can just go to fitnessandpost.com slash command edit. And there will be more information there as well as a 25% off coupon that they can use. Or if they want to, they can just go to optimizeyourself.me and they can use the coupon code command edit and it'll give them 25% off because I'm desperate for more beta members and people in posts specifically to help me get this right because I want to make something that works for all of us. So this isn't such a struggle for everybody anymore.
0: Awesome. Very generous. And thank you very much for that. So listeners, uh, go check it out. Uh, I'll include the link in the show notes. So if you're uh, sick of typing, then you can just do go do a handy click on it. Uh, sign up for the program and uh, absolutely take advantage of it because, uh, yeah, Zach has got some great knowledge to give. And, hey, he's sacrificing his uh, his racing season for this. So that's big.
1: Yes, it is, and it's <laughs> killing me. But as soon as the program is public, I'm back to training mode because I'm, I'm kind of over it. But I need to make sure this stuff works, and so far it seems to be working. So
0: fantastic awesome well zach thank you so very much and uh i'll be checking out the next episode of fitness and post too
1: awesome and thank you for having me on i'm happy to come back anytime and just uh shoot the shit about post editing story whatever don't care i love it
0: awesome